Hey everyone, welcome into another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and I really did not want to have to record this open today. Uh, as many of you know, we record these episodes that drop on Thursdays on Tuesdays during the week, and so we recorded this on Tuesday, August 23rd. As I'm recording this, it's Wednesday, August 24th. Podcast episode will drop tomorrow on Thursday, August 25th. And so it's going to feel very weird as you listen because we do not mention anything about uh, Chiefs former quarterback and Hall of Famer Len Dawson. Uh, Len Dawson passed away today, uh, Wednesday, August 24th at 87 years old. We had known uh, through reports with the Kansas City media that Len Dawson had gone into hospice care uh, on the 12th of this month. We knew that he was going into hospice, but... You're never ready for a, a hero and a legend, somebody that you've looked up to, to leave. As I've gotten older, and I think this is probably true, not unique to me, but true of everybody, you start to kind of realize that you're not invincible, things are finite, and you have to really hold on to every moment that you can, because eventually they will stop. But for whatever reason, even now, um, in my early 30s, I imagine this is probably the same for people who are much older than me, you're never quite ready for the legends to go. For some reason, you always kind of think they're going to stay, and they will still be there with you. And it's really hard when you lose them. And Len Dawson is one of the most iconic figures in sports and specifically in Kansas City sports. Super Bowl champion of Super Bowl IV. He's a Hall of Famer both as a player and as a broadcaster. He is the voice along with Mitch Holtis, who I grew up listening to on the radio for Chiefs games. He is one of the last color commentators and one of the last broadcasters, really, that held on to the lost art of being honest. A lot of color commentary now is very much we, us, it's it's a hype man almost. And then, you know, the, the descriptors and the analysis is almost secondary. And Len never did that. If something went poorly, Len Dawson said it was bad and he told you why it was bad. He told you what happened to make a play fail, for a series to go wrong. And it made the good plays and the good moments all the better because Len was excited about something the Chiefs did, and you knew it was good because he'd been honest with you before about why it had gone bad. So, apologies that this episode is going to feel probably a little weird. We are very happy-go-lucky. We're excited to be back. We were off for a couple weeks, so being back together was, was a lot of fun, but we wanted to make sure that we acknowledged that we had lost one of the greats, one of the icons, and one of our heroes in Kansas City sports, Kansas City media, the great Len Dawson. So to the man who was and always will be cool, rest in peace, Len Dawson. We will miss you very much. to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and we are inching ever closer to the start of the regular season, and we've got actual football to discuss, so let's not delay. Let's go ahead and introduce the guys. He's been reading JJ, The Adventures of Furious George, nonstop for the past week. Jacob Allen is with us. What's going on, man? Just one week? I've been on board since the draft. I've been on board since way before the draft. Don't, don't discredit me, please. This is all I have in my life. He's excited to play Fortnite as Patrick Mahomes just as soon as he learns what Fortnite is. Sam Blecka is with us. What's going on, dude? Don't discredit me, Sean. <laughs> I understand the video games <laughs> and the kids' culture today. I know how to do the, the TikToks and whatnot. <sighs> and I am Sean Deegan, and I am excited to welcome Sam to the addiction that is Dynasty Football and look forward to converting Jacob down the road. All right, gents, 
We have actual football to talk about. We took a week off last week. Scheduling was just kind of weird, so we decided, like, instead of trying to force it, let's just hold off. We'll get a couple of weeks of preseason action under our belts, and then we'll come back and discuss it. Team looks real good so far. Granted, their preseason games have come against the Chicago Bears and the Washington Commanders, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, as well as the fact that it's preseason football, but... A lot of things to like if you're a Chiefs fan, so we thought we'd start things off with a pulse check and just see how has our opinions of this team changed. How have they changed after these two preseason game performances? Has it changed at all? You know, it may not be uh, any variances to what we thought about this team coming in, but thought we'd take a pulse check and find out. So uh, Sam will let you bat lead off today. How has your opinion of the Kansas City Chiefs changed now that we have two preseason games under our belts? I think it just solidifies my general thoughts of what we were going to be this year, which is a much more diverse and kind of creative team in general, uh, being able to do a lot more on both offense and defense. Uh, I Again, we are, if anything, Chiefs fans. And we can fall within the we can always fall into the leading up to hype or preseason hype. But like going into this year, I I had no concerns or or moments of a, being taken aback by thinking, oh, we're going to fall off massively because we lost Tyreek Hill or something like that. So, no, it I don't it didn't change anything for me because I already kind of felt, you know, we, we still have 15 and he proves he's still real good at playing football. And anytime you have that, it's kind of a, a general cheat code. So, Jacob, how about you? Having seen the performance the Chiefs put up against the Bears and the Commanders, how has your opinion changed at all? What do you think of the Chiefs now that we've got a couple of games under our belts? Like Sam said, it, it does feed into some of our things we've been talking about in the offseason about younger, faster defense. I think it actually credited that they do look faster. And that has been the big takeaway for me. The offense doesn't surprise me. Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm with you both. It, it's nice to see the offense still kind of move at the same clip that we're used to, where Mahomes is just kind of able to spread the ball to whomever. I think that has alleviated a lot of co- any concern I did have, though, about like, okay, is he going to be able to move the ball around? Or is this going to be a situation where it's feed Travis Kelsey and there's just everybody else around it? Defensively, though, in addition to being fast, I think this defense might be really good. And I think that's something that you guys, I think, were maybe more on board with than I was initially. Uh, I think when we la- when we last talked about it, gosh, it was a while ago on the podcast, but I think I was more in line with I think they could finish top 20 and – this team would still have a chance at a Super Bowl. I, the way they fly to the ball and the way that Willie Gay Jr. and Nick Bolton are looking in the middle, I, I am more on board with the idea that this could be a team that, even if it struggles early on defense, with just bringing the team together, gelling, learning everybody's tendencies, getting in, in sync, that by the end of the year we could be looking at a top 15, top 10 defense. So that was the big thing that changed as far as my opinions go. You already brought up his name, so I have to ask. Pulse check on uh, Nick Bolton's number change. Love it. Are, are we feeling it? Are we feeling 32? I'm feeling 32 so hard. Especially now he's, like, breaking up passes. I'm like, you can wear a number, whatever number you want, man. Still okay. weird to me. But but I came around, came around to it after the second preseason game. But I was – it's still, like – still a little gross. It's kind of like, <laughs> like Melvin, <laughs> Melvin Ingram last year. I was just like – Something, something's not right about it, but he just—he looks faster. It just looks faster. Look faster. He does look, he look faster, faster, but the number also makes him look faster. Next thing on the agenda, we want to look at where we think the biggest strengths are for this team. I think there are maybe some obvious picks, but like I said, there's some things on the defense that have emerged that are, that are really intriguing to me. So, as of right now, again through two preseason games, so a lot left to discover about this team. In fact, everything to discover about this team. But as things stand right now, what do you think is the biggest strength the Chiefs 
having seen him in action now for a couple of weeks, Jacob will let you take this one first. Uh, <laughs> quarterback. Damn play. it. Uh, I can't believe I forgot to put setting aside Patrick Mahomes. What is? No. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. You're right. I'm going to be very unoriginal here. I'm stealing everybody's answer, I kind of feel like. The linebackers are very exciting. And what we've been asking for for two full seasons almost of, why don't you play these guys? Please play these guys. Sam, what about you? Now that Jacob's taking quarterback play off the board, is there another strength that you look at as the team's biggest strength? Head coach. God damn it. Any reach pretty good. No, it's uh, I, honestly, it's it's something that I think we always want it to be the strength and we look for it every year. But this is the first year that I feel fully confident that outside of maybe offensive line is depth. I mean, it, it, it truly feels like you can go into your second, even potentially third string guys on most positions and still feel confident in the in the play especially again we know we know defensive line is is going to be that we've seen that rotation throughout the years be very good but linebacker i mean it it feel you feel comfortable like willie gay and obviously nick bolton but knowing that you've got guys like leo chanel that can come in and and still prove himself he's still gonna need to prove himself but knowing what his athletic capability is and then secondary it Again, secondary is my biggest concern going into this year. Like, it just – that was the area where it's like, as far as on defense, where it's like if this is the make-or-break position and they're, they filled the holes that needed to be filled well. So I, I think depth um, as far as just, just being a complete team, which when you have a superstar quarterback is not typical – Usually you have to make sacrifices in other areas when you have that, but because of even though Mahomes getting paid a lot of money because his contract does work and and they've done such a good job of drafting young players, they've been able to build a full roster, which is not usually seen around superstars unless you're, you know, the Rams and you just trade everything to get a team. So I am going to say the wide receiver core. And it kind of leans into what you just said, Sam, is that it's deep. It seems like no matter who's been out there, and even with the loss, like, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster didn't play this last preseason game. You know, McCole Harbin didn't play this last preseason game. And Mahomes looks very comfortable throwing to guys like Justin Watson, who looks like he's going to make the team and looks like he has a chance to really contribute. A uh, quick pop quiz for you, because I've had very wrong thoughts about Justin Watson as far as a football player. To be clear, pop quiz for us: Did he did he catch a touchdown against the Chiefs? I don't think so, because I what I remember is that he was with the Bucks and never played. Okay, but I could be wrong. I, I feel like he had some big catch against the Chiefs, and I was like, "Oh, there's the next Julian Edelman." And then I went to look at his stats when the Chiefs signed him, and it was, it was like you said, it was like this guy is the type to be on and off the roster, and hasn't ever had more than 159 yards. Right. Yeah. But you watch him throw to Marquez Valdez Scantling, to Watson, even to like Noah Gray, Jody Fortson. Like Noah Gray, especially, is take seems like he's taking a big step forward. Fortson looks like he is not lost a step after the injury uh, coming back from injury last year and battling the quad injury he had in camp. It just seems like Mahomes seems very comfortable spreading the ball around to whom, just whomever, whether it's Sky Moore, whether it's Scant, whether it's uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, whether it was you know, Jody Fortson in the end zone, Travis Kelsey obviously still looks like that connection is going to be pristine that receiving core just looks deep. And I think that's something that last year, to your point, Sam, talking about depth, it was clearly Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And then we'd get really excited if Byron Pringle would have a big game and then he would drop three passes the next game. 
and you, you start to wonder, okay, how deep is this receiving core really? This year, it just seems like everyone has really gelled well early on. We'll see how that you know carries into the regular season, if that's for real or if that's just preseason. But as of right now, I'm going to say the receivers, just because everyone looks like they can contribute. It's just a matter of now doing it in the regular season. Flipping things to the other side, are there any weaknesses that you still want to see this team shore up? What What is the biggest weakness the Chiefs still have that you think the team needs to knock out as the season goes on or even going into the season? We'll flip things around and Sam let you go first this time. To be honest, and, and I haven't, again, breaking down preseasons are just difficult. It's just after a while, you're just like, all right, kind of done watching offensive line play. But it, it, I, I honestly – if I'm going to pick a hole within the Chiefs, and, and the holes will eventually start to, like once we get into real play, we'll, we'll see it a lot more. We'll be able to identify if there are issues a lot better. But right now, it's just that pivoting left tackle. what what Or right tackle, excuse me. What's going to happen on that side of the ball? That, that I think, is the true weakness of this team. Because, again, it's, it's difficult to know because I don't know the starters of the – Washington Commanders or the Chicago Bears. I don't know who they're supposed to be out there. And I don't pay that much attention, to be honest. I didn't go and do a lot of research on their team. I know Chase Young wasn't out there, so that was the one player I was looking for. Uh, But, like, just that right tackle position, I think, is going to be our our biggest weak point all year. And we've talked at nauseum about this, so I don't need to go into detail about it. But after watching the preseason games, like I said, I'm – very comfortable with the depth and in all the other positions. That's just the one that that is apparently a problem. Jacob, how about you? What's the weakness that Chiefs still need to shore up here as we enter the regular season? Well, call my unoriginal day because <laughs> right tackle is where I was at as well, and tackle depth in general because of because we have to. Uh, Step back a little bit on Darian Kennard just slightly. I'm I'm back in the boat of are we sure Joe Tooney can't swing out and play right tackle? I'm gonna be different and I'm going to say running back. I like some of the things that they are able to do as pass catchers. Specifically, you know, Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco have seemed to show real aptitude when it comes to pass catching. But blitz pickup, pass protection, and the most important part of the running back's job, which is running the football, seems to have been lacking. And I know everyone's really excited about Pacheco as a a sleeper seventh-round pick. We talked about him last time we were on a couple weeks ago. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, people are – you know, I said I bought into Clyde as a comeback player, given that he's, you know, coming off of – uh, what was it, gallbladder surgery or something like that, where he lost a ton of weight. Like I was like, I bought into that. He's finally healthy. And just as far as running the ball, I think it was Nate Taylor going to bomb this stat, but it was like they've rushed the ball 30 times total in the preseason, and they've gained like 40 or 50 yards total. I'll have to go back and look at it, listen again, and get the exact stat. But that was something that Nate Taylor talked about, is that just rushing the ball – has been ineffective. And this was supposed to be the year where even if they don't run the ball, they've got the offensive line to do it. And on some of the all 22 footage that film guys like Seth Kaiser have put out, there are holes to be had where the offensive line blows the defensive line off the ball. There's one particular Jeff Schwartz retweeted where the offensive line blew the defensive line off the ball three and a half yards and they picked up three and a half yards. And if you're going to have an offensive line that can create that much space, you'd like to hope that your running backs can pick up at least a couple of extra yards as you go. So I will say as of right now, the running backs are the weakness on the team um, just because I think Andrew Wiley is a more serviceable right tackle maybe than, than I know certainly Jacob does, but I think he's at least fine over there for right now. Uh, running back though is just, has not performed as well as I would have hoped. Well, then let me continue to be unoriginal because running back was the other one I debated going with. (laughs) Because you're right. 
they're fun when they're out in space and catching the ball, but man, when they hand the ball off to these guys, it's like middle school football when the coaches were like, when I say jump, you don't ask how high. Mm-hmm. And these guys just run into a wall yeah. without thinking about where they're going because their coach asked them to jump and they refuse to ask how high, which also explains why uh, we were never any good at football. <laughs> All right, let's get into some more specifics here as we move forward here. Uh, first off, let's pick out individuals now. We've gotten a couple of preseason games to watch. So who's the guy that stood out to you the most? What's the guy that made you go, ooh, ah, or surprised you? Who who jumped out to you after watching the first couple of games? Jacob will flip things again and have you bat lead off this time. I'll go back to your guys' answer about group prices, but – a player I didn't necessarily love when they signed him was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Now watching him, I've been impressed, not because of when he got missed on the deep throw, but he's made a lot of good contested snags of the ball. And when they signed him, I remember watching him in Green Bay and just being like, he really only was mainly a deep threat and wasn't grabbing a lot of balls over the middle, which was perfect for Green Bay, and he wasn't asked to do much more. But it has been exciting to see a lanky receiver run around and just snag the ball out of the air. So he has been one I have been pleasantly surprised with. Sam, how about you? Is there a guy that jumped out to you over these the course of these two preseason games that really stood out? To be completely honest, I, my brain just kind of stopped working because I was scrambling to find one because I figured Jacob would already have the one that has impressed me and I would have to find somebody else. So I was original, but since he decided not to go with them, I'll go with Karloftis. So the thing I'm impressed with him is, again, he's gotten his two sacks, which in preseason doesn't mean much. It's the offensive line because he's playing a lot deeper within him. But he he is showing that he is the kind of relentless, just doesn't stop playing type player that, again, when I say this, I'm not saying he's the next J.J. Watt, but that's how J.J. Watt played where he just doesn't stop. He just keeps going and, and won't stop playing until the whistle blows. Very like high school football-esque where play to the whistle, play to the whistle, show passion. That is George Karloftis. And it's it's refreshing to see if I'm not picking a rookie. Uh, again, Frank Clark look, looks a lot better. He looks faster. He looks, looks – everything he's talked about looks better. So the defensive line just looks vastly improved within that that sense um and then i think you, you have to be a miss to to not be excited about mr uh, jody fortson coming back and getting two more touchdowns in his preseason so i won't go too deep in case that was sean's sean's go-to player but nope. uh, no, just good to see work. a guy that's that has work obviously he's put in a lot of work to to continue getting a chance in the nfl get kind of a setback and then come back and show that he he does have a place on the roster i think at some point we just don't know what that is as long as he can stay healthy. Here comes his Darren Waller breakout. Uh, to clarify real quick why I didn't go Carl Laftis, I already had high expectations, so he couldn't impress me. I think uh, – and, and we all – I think we all had high expectations. It's just we didn't know how – Not all of us. Well, I, th- I think because why the reason you didn't is because you did – we didn't know how his college play – was going to translate to the NFL, hundred percent, and that—that's yeah. what—that's what's impressed me is he, that's what's transitioned over is his ability to continue a play, and and I think he's still got areas to learn, obviously, and and his pass rush sets need to still needs to add some moves in there where he is bull rush. I mean, he's a bull rush specialist right now, it seems like, and and I didn't watch him just every single down to see what he was doing, but just it, it seems like he's able to continue doing what he was doing in college, which is a great sign for us because that type of play it either works or it doesn't in the NFL and it seems to be working for him so far agreed uh, we we all had high expectations but I also did not expect him to uh, be projected for a 17 sack season <laughs> <laughs> oh man I have, I have thoughts on Carl Loftus but I'll save those for a little bit because yeah he's Definitely made me rethink some of my earlier takes coming out of the draft. I will be different, though, and I will say Nick Bolton, which I didn't think was possible. I thought we kind of knew what Nick Bolton was going to be, whereas like he's this hard-charging run defender who does a great job of getting people set, and as long as you ask him to play 
just a very specific zone, he will be okay. But you're going to probably want to get him off the field as far as coverage goes. And in both preseason games, especially this last one, he's made some tremendous breaks on the ball and has gotten some PBUs where I don't know that you would have seen it last year. And to your point earlier, Jacob, you said he looks faster. He does look faster. He looks a step faster. And he was one of those weird guys. Like, I think Sam brought it up. Like, he just looks the same speed from college to pro. And that's something I've heard from a few people outside of just us here on the podcast, that he's just a weird player that doesn't seem to slow down when the pads come on. And this year, he seems like he's even that next step quicker and is now diagnosing plays faster. And so his ability to break on the ball and and knock the ball down or make a play in coverage, along with his just aggressive play against the run, to me, he he's he's in a position where, you know, in the next five years, maybe we're talking about Nick Bolton as like a top five linebacker. He's really jumped out to me now adding the coverage aspect to his game in addition to his exceptional play against the run. Yeah, and I think for me, I do think he is physically faster. I think the NFL, getting a full NFL, a second full NFL offseason in uh, does obviously help immensely. But I think a lot of that visuals, what we see as visually speed is him understanding the game better is getting up to NFL speed because I think that was the thing last year is it, it looked like he was frozen a lot of times where he didn't start immediately. It was all, it was like his brain had to diagnose the play at the college speed, but at NFL speed, it was twice as fast. And so I think his brain, he's probably understanding the game a lot better at NFL speed and he's just able to react now instead of having to comprehend now go. And it's just that completely different style of play than what we've seen in other linebackers. Because I think with other linebackers we've had in the past, won't, won't name names, but they were able to diagnose quickly and then they were just actually slow. Where he's fast. And so when he, the fact that he's fast, it took him a while to diagnose. And he's like, okay, he can get there. Now it's like, oh, he's fast. And he knows what's going on. So that's a dangerous combination. On the flip side of that, who do you think still has something to prove? Not necessarily like you have to prove it to like keep your roster spot, although that's certainly in play. But who do you think after these two preseason games, you're still looking for that next step? Like, okay, show me something that we haven't seen as of yet. Sam, we'll flip things this time and let you go ahead. It's difficult with this one because, again, we're not – the only rookies we're really looking at specifically, and I say rookies because – most of our roster is made up of of guys that we feel pretty confident in knowing what they are. Obviously, you have MVS, who we're, we're still going to see what he becomes in this offense, and and that kind of piece, and Juju Smith-Schuster, who, again, we know what he is, but how he's going to become in this, this offense. So I, I'm kind of picking out, when you look at rookies specifically, you've, you've got Karloftis, who, who obviously I've been impressed with. You have McDuffie, who... Again, cornerback play is difficult to to diagnose 100%, but the fact that he hasn't stood out is a good thing because I feel like cornerback's kind of the same as, to an extent, as offensive line is that you really don't get a lot of play unless you're just elite good or real bad. And I don't think he's elite good yet, and he's not being bad. So I think he's still doing well. So I think the only one I'm, I'm looking at is as far as, someone to prove something and, and I'm going to go off of because of how much hype he got is Pacheco with your que- questionality or questionality is a great word with your uh, questioning of the running back position. Cause that is going to be a big, big point is, is that a guy that, that we're going to be able to rely on is, is the hype actually real because he's a seventh round pick. So he doesn't have a lot to prove. He's not a first round talent that we have to like, Oh, if he's not good, he's not good. But I think if he has the skill set. If he's got the physical tools, can he become an NFL talent? Because I think that's the big thing. Because I think he showed just physically he is capable of doing everything in the NFL. It's just a matter of picking it up and, and becoming an NFL player. So I'll go with him just because I don't feel like there was a lot of guys I felt needed to 
the guys that need to prove themselves have done well as far as the the two main rookies that are going to be starting this year. Everyone else has been playing really well as far as I, I, there's no one that needs to prove themselves at right tackle because I don't know who's going to be a right tackle at this point. I can't pick one, so I'm not going to say someone needs to prove themselves. Jacob, what about you? Who do you think still has something to prove coming into this last preseason game and going into the regular season? I want to preface mine because it might be an unfair assessment because I bought onto the hype train and I was expecting, you know, one sack per preseason game. And it might just be because I haven't watched him that much, but Frank Clark, I don't feel like I've seen him make any splash plays. Hopefully it's just because I haven't been watching him close enough. I will also take a veteran and it may be, again, this might not be the most fair thing, but not necessarily in terms of like he needs to do this and avoid getting cut, obviously, but I still want to see some stuff from Juju Smith-Schuster. I love the acquisition. Loved it so much that I was so certain it was going to happen. I traded for him in Dynasty before he ever signed with the Chiefs. But I still want to see him actually do it. You know, in the first preseason game, he got targeted, I think, twice and didn't play in the second one because he was hurt. Press conference today, Coach Reed said that he was probably he, he was fine and he'll be ready to go, but he probably won't play in the third preseason game because it's the third preseason game. So we won't see anything of him until the regular season. So I think coming into the position he's in now, you were hoping that he was going to be your second best pass catching option. And the reason I phrase it that way, obviously, because Travis Kelsey's the best one. But you're hoping he'd be the number two guy. And so far, we haven't seen him really have that many reps to where you can say confidently, yeah, he'll be the guy. So I am still excited about Juju, but I would like to see him come out and really, you know, grab a couple of targets and make some plays. It doesn't have to be a lot, but I I just don't think you're going to see that until the regular season, and at that point, like, it's it's on. Show me what you can do. Really prove it. Along the same lines of who stood out to you, but maybe a little more specific, what player has shown you enough to make you think you were wrong about them? What have they done that made you go, you know what, maybe I was, I was a little harsh on this one. I'm just going to put myself out there first and say, I was wrong about George Karloftis. I did not love that pick when it happened. It felt like the most obvious Steve Spagnola pick, it felt like the opposite of everything that we talked about wanting from a pass rusher, as far as like the, the burst off the edge, the ability to have speed around the corner and, and a variety of pass rusher moves. And instead, they got a high motor guy who's you know known for just not quitting on the play, but isn't known for his bend. His bend has looked much has looked not much better, but it's been better than advertised. And I, in addition to the bull rush, which to Sam's point, you know, again, coming against backups is still impressive to me because he's doing what you should do. He's beating these guys that are not as good as him. And he's beating them fair, not pretty badly. I'll just say it badly. It took a double team and a hold to almost stop him from sacking Carson Wentz, and he still got there. And I've actually been pretty impressed with his hand fighting. Maybe not necessarily specific moves, to Sam's point, you know, improving the variety of pass rush moves, but I've liked his hand fighting. And it's made me feel like, okay, maybe he is closer to Tom Bahali than I initially thought he was going to be. So I'll just put myself out there first and say, I, I don't think I gave the George Karloftis pick enough credit. Um, Jacob, what about you? What's the guy that you look at and go, yeah, maybe I, I was wrong about that one. But to Sean's credit, Boye Mafia has two sure sacks did. in his preseason game. So he's on pace for 34 if he can stay healthy, which he didn't for their <laughs> second preseason game. <laughs> so I guess he's also on pace for 17 sacks yeah, in a full season. 17. You're trying to think. I looked up for you. Juju Smith doesn't have a catch. I don't know if you did or didn't say that yet. Yeah, I thought he had a couple of targets, but I don't know if he – I didn't know that he had a catch or not, so I appreciate you confirming that he does not. Guy that has proven myself because I haven't heard his name once, Trent McDuffie. Mm. Clearly he has locked down whoever he's on because I have not seen him. 
I have not heard his name for a tackle or anything of that that ilk. So I'll go with Trent McDuffie. That he really has proven that he can be locked down so far. And Sam, what about you? Who's the guy that has done enough so far in preseason? Obviously, we've got regular season to go, but has done enough so far that you look at him and go, "Yeah, maybe I was I was wrong in my evaluation of this guy." I've not fully drank the Kool Aid yet, but it's starting to smell pretty good, and. That Kool-Aid belongs to Sky Moore. Again, nothing nothing spectacular he's done in the preseason. But I don't know. I don't know the best way to say it. It's, he runs mature routes where it looks like he's supposed to be in the NFL. And then doing the toe, dra- the toe drag on the sideline, like that's not rookie. You don't see a lot of rookies do that in, in preseason that early, that early in the season regardless, but specifically preseason. So, again, still, I don't know. I still don't know what he is, and that's the problem. I haven't fully given in to him. But he just seems like a very mature player for what we bring in as far as wide receivers as skill positions. Kind of a Travis Kelsey type where it just seemed like you don't feel like you're ever going to have a problem with him. He's going to do everything he needs to do on the field, and that's – Relatively comforting to have, which is quite a cool to have. So yeah, I'll I'll go with general impressions because again, I was not a fan of his his pick. wasn't a huge fan of him in the draft process, but slowly coming around on Sky Moore. I do love me some Sky Moore. That toe drag, I was just like, yep, it's the only other thing I needed to see. I already loved his routes. Your your point about mature routes is perfect way to describe it. But that toe drag was plenty. For me to get super hyped on him. Next thing we wanted to do was something maybe a little bit more fun that might spark some more discussion, and that's a narrative check. So we pulled a couple of the more common narratives that have been floated around the media world, whether that's social media, whether that's on the radio or TV, um, podcasts, whatever the case might be. These are maybe the more common narratives that have been put out there about the chase. We thought we'd just revisit them and see where we're at. Do they still hold water? Do we think they're complete BS now? What do we think? First one here is Chiefs offense will struggle without Tyreek Hill. How are we feeling about this, guys? Where do we think this narrative, does it still hold water? Do you like the offense to this point? I think the offense looks just fine through through two preseason games, but where are we at with this one? Jacob, start with you. Who's Tyreek Hill? I'm going to say Tyreek who? It had to be said. It had to be said. It's my favorite thing floating on Twitter right now. <laughs> right, yeah, I've seen people throw it back in his face. Thanks. Uh, AJ agrees. AJ's like, you. my voice you. must be heard. <laughs> it had to be said. No, I, I think we all agree. We were all excited. We said... We've seen Patrick Mahomes without him. He can distribute the ball, and it makes them tougher to guard when they're not running the ball through two people. Or, sorry, running the offense through two people. They'll never run the ball. We know that much. Patrick Mahomes is still able to make alien throws. Like the one where he's rolling to his left, turns his torso up and flicks a ball sidearm and finds an open receiver. Like, he still looks fine. Sam, I'm assuming you're in agreement as far as that – Take doesn't hold water anymore. We got Justin Lawson, Jody Fordson. Why would you ever need Tyreek Hill? Jody Fordson low-key looking like the next Chris Carter. Where all he does is catch touchdowns. No, I mean, again, I don't think any of us are going to say that not having Tyreek Hill is not a detriment, but the narrative that the Chiefs offense is going to fall off a cliff because we don't have Tyreek Hill is just absolutely asinine. I mean, you have, again, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. You can put a sack of potatoes out there, and they're going to figure out how to find the, get them a ball. Next narrative that was floated around, Chiefs defense will be worse than last year's. Last year's, remember, points scored, they ended up being okay, but there was the discussion of how much is that 
because of who, what quarterbacks they ran into, you know, with Aaron Rodgers being out and they got to play Jordan Love. You know, they, they played some lower offenses where they were able to kind of inflate stats that were still not good in yards against. What do we think about this take? You know, with the departure of Ty, with Tyron Matthew, you know, that was a big hit. Anthony Hitchens, et cetera, Charvarius Ward. There are a lot of people saying this off defense is not going to be as good. Sam will let you bat, uh, bat lead off for this one. How do you feel about this take? The defense will not be as good this coming season as it was last season for the Chiefs. My question is, who watched last year's defense and said that was good? <laughs> I don't know that they thought that it was defense. good. It was just like, this defense is going to struggle. I, I don't – I don't. again, it's one of those – the narrative, who created this narrative, I don't understand if they watched Chiefs football. Actually, Sam, I have an answer for you. The answer is the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans Saints. So that's <laughs> kind of my thought. You and Dan Sorensen. Yeah, like we no longer have the two players that literally drove half our conversation for the first season of this podcast in Dan Sorensen and Ben Neiman. How is the defense not going to be better? <laughs> yeah. I so I I don't I don't have a, a more of a response than. Just, uh, yeah, stupid narrative. See, I was of the mindset that just due to the amount of rookies, which seems like there might even be more starting off the season than I thought. You know, two weeks ago we talked about how, you know, the over-under on rookies starting this coming season. I think I might have picked low. I thought that early on this team, the defense might really struggle just due to the amount of youth that's on the team. And they still might. But I think even if they struggle early, they're still going to be really good later on. Jacob, to your point, Trent McDuffie's name has barely come up. And to me, that's the old, just a fantastic sign that we have not heard his name once. Between that and then that was the seventh round pick. It's not just so much. Jalen Watson, the Jaylen corner. Watson. Yeah. Same, yeah, seventh round pick. Matt Verderam's, you know, fan-sided, who's really savvy football mind and a tremendous, like, uh, beat writer reporter has been really high on him and his performance in the preseason. He called him sticky in one of his most recent tweets. He's been very sticky. You have, and that's a seventh round pick. So I I'm with you, Sam. I, I think this defense has a chance to not just be better than last year, but be really good, really good. Especially now that Karloftis has proven me wrong. and looks like he could be a legitimate threat in the pass rush. Jacob, what about you? Anything else to add on the defense is going to be worse than last year? Do you have any different takes on this one? How do you feel? I think, yes. I think they'll be a little bit better. I don't think they're going to be insanely better. I mean, it's an upside thing. But I think they start out probably at least equivalent and then work their way to, again, like I said, better than what they were. All right, last narrative here. And this is one, Jacob, you might have already tipped your hat or tipped your hand a little bit on, so I might I'll let you go first on this one. But the last narrative that and this is one that just keeps trying to come around with Andy Reid teams, and it just never happens. But this was the season, and you know, with the big beefy physical offensive line having a year under their belt and not having Tyree kill, the Chiefs are going to run more. It's our last narrative here. Jacob I'll let you go first. Do you think that this narrative will hold true coming into the season, or do you think that this is just us hoping once again? It's Andy Reid. <laughs> They're not going to run the ball. I've lost hope in this one. I thought, yeah, all right, we're going to have a bruising run offense. We're going to have solid defense, and then Patrick Mahomes is just going to kill teams on play action this year. It's still Andy Reid. Yeah, I think the biggest sign that they're not going to run the ball is the most pure runner they have on the team has barely seen the field with anybody past the second team offense, and that's Ronald Jones. I thought for sure when they brought him in, that was a sign that they were like, no, we're, we're committed to like really running the ball because Ronald Jones doesn't offer a whole lot in the passing game. And now they're like, you know what? We're really good with these three guys that kind of do better as receivers than runners and we're going to let this guy kind of sit on the bench. So I I'm with you. I think it's, it's fool's gold at this point. Sam, what about you? Are you with the narrative with us that the narrative is, you know, completely washed or do you still hold on hope that this one might have some truth to it? 
I was going to say too, just quickly, Ronald Jones got the thumbs up from Derek Gore that he actually is going to get a roster spot. <laughs> so I have two two potential ways that the run actually becomes a thing in the Chiefs offense. The first, and actually a very plausible one, is Andy Reid decides, I want to get the ball in Sky Moore's hand any way I can. Very possible that he becomes a running back. And just, that's what he does. Number two, the league changes any pass thrown behind the line is classified as a run. Because then we'll start running the ball. Because we already do that. So, yeah. As far as traditional running, no. we. It, 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 Jacob said it. It's Andy Reid. He will try it for one series and be like, this isn't fun. I don't like this. Patrick, throw the ball. Because I, I honestly think Andy Reid's gotten to a point where he's just playing Madden in his head. And running's just not fun. I mean, no one that plays Madden runs the ball. Unless you're a complete psychopath that plays Madden on the same team with your brother. We talked to someone like that before. So I had to shout him out. He's going. He's 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 as Sean told us. He's about to break his his Chiefs home game cherry. So I have to give him a shout out to have fun. Don't For those who don't know, so that's uh, referring to our, our good friend Sam Kendrick, who's an avid supporter, a really good dude, uh, who we had on the podcast almost a year ago now, uh, and. He's, he's going to the game Thursday night. We're recording this on Tuesday. It'll drop Thursday, so he might be listening to this on the way to the game. But, uh, yeah, if they decided to put the ball behind the line of scrimmage, McCole Harmon might become the most effective running back in the NFL if they decide to classify it that way. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think it's kind of dead. You mean you're going to do what they did with Cordero Patterson and just make McCole a running back? Yeah, and he would be great at it. He would they just toss the ball behind the line of scrimmage, let him run the sweep, and call it good. What happens if that what what if that's his true calling? That Andy's finally not gonna let's stop this whole trying to be a wide receiver gimmick and just give you the ball without you having to catch it or run routes. Just just get the ball in your hand and go. I actually think McCall Harmon would be really good at that. Because he he does a his burst and speed are are great. His speed's <laughs> it's incredible. everything leading up to that point that we have problems with. <laughs> yeah, you eliminate all the other things. It's, it's just fantastic. like, here's the ball, here's space, go. Like, I think he would be really good. As long as every run finishes near the sideline where he can fumble it out of bounds when he gets hit. We almost had a full positive talk about McCall Harmon. We were that close. All right, last last thing for the night, and this might go fairly quickly, uh, just kind of a quick check on final cutdowns. Um, we're recording this today, and the Chiefs had to get down to 80 uh, total players on the roster Next Tuesday, they have to get down to a 53-man roster. Um, how they got down to 80 today, um, they are they put Derek Gore on IR and moved Niang to the uh, physically unable to perform uh, reserve list. So he is out for four weeks. Um, I think Derek Gore's season is done going on to IR. Yeah, um, some thumb injury. Yeah, so that which is unfortunate because I really like Derek Gore, but – that's how they got down to 80. They have to get down to 53 by next Tuesday, as we record this here on Tuesday, August 23rd. So, guys, a couple of quick cut-down checks. First one here, the Chiefs will keep four tight ends or four running backs. This one's a little interesting to me because I would have said for sure it would be tight end, but then Blake Bell got hurt. But now Derek Gore got hurt. And Ronald Jones has hardly seen the field with with any kind of with any of the first team. I don't think he's seen the, the field with the first teams during the preseason. So, what do you think is the more likely come cut down day? The Chiefs keep four tight ends and find a fourth tight end to go along with Fortson, Gray, and Kelsey, or they keep four running backs. Jacob, we'll start with you. How long is Blake Bell supposed to be out for? Reed said he doesn't anticipate it will be a quick thing in the press conferences today. They didn't give a specified time frame, but Blake Bell did undergo hip flexor surgery. Gray, Fortson, Kelsey, Bell on and off of IR to play some roster games. Okay, or 
Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Pacheco, McKinnon, Ronald Jones. Which one's more likely? I mean, I think at this point, because of all the injuries, I'm going to say four tight ends is more likely because of how much they love tight ends. But I also can't see them dropping any of those running backs because you almost assume one of your running backs will get hurt at some point and you'll need a third. So solid question, Sean. I got one. Sam, what about you? Four running backs or four tight ends? What do you think is more more likely come cut down day on, uh, uh, I guess, Tuesday the 30th? So in my head, when you when you sent this out and I read it, this is apparently showing my ignorance of positions of players. I said immediately four tight ends because in my head, Justin Watson is a tight end, apparently. <laughs> I, it I helps just, you out. Justin Walker and Scotty Miller are the same guy for me, apparently. Yeah, no, like, like if you would have shown him to me, I would say, he's just pass-catching tight end. <laughs> but he is classified as a receiver. But I, I do think it'll be uh, – that was my initial reaction, and, and I honestly thought so with the four um, – with Kelsey, Gray, uh, Bell, and Fortson. Like, that seemed like the four that were logical. But now with Bell on IR, I do think they're going to keep four running backs. And the reason for that, um, and I'm assuming you're classifying Bell as, so are we saying that they'll have Fortson, Kelsey, and Gray as your three with Bell on IR and then keep the four running backs? Or are you saying you have to cut somebody off those? No, that's exactly right. So, like, if, if Bell's on IR, he's not technically counting against your 53. So if No, I, I don't think you're – they're not going out to get another tight end. They're going to keep those three and rely on the other guys to play within the positions. And the thing with the running backs is I think Pacheco's role they're looking at is, yes, he is a running back on the roster. He's a special team player. I don't think he's looked at as like an immediate impact at running back necessarily, but he's hopefully a kick return or punt return or something of that nature. So though he takes up a running back roster spot, they're looking at him as a returner more than anything. See, I would have said running back was the the surefire thing once Blake Bell got hurt. But then this tweet kind of came out from Field Yates that the Chiefs were a team that put in a waiver claim on former Rams and now new commanders tight end Kendall Blanton. And it made me think that they might try to find a fourth tight end before regular season opens if Blake Bell can't go. I don't think they're impressed with Ronald Jones. I don't none of the other running backs have really like stood out as far as a great runner. So I think they're, they're fine with the three and Michael Burton. I think that they really do want to keep both Fortson and gray. So I think that they, but they still like having that blocking tight end. So I think that there's a chance that they might keep four tight ends. So just to be different, I'll say that that's the more that that's the way it'll go is they'll find a fourth tight end and then end up cutting Ronald Jones and keep Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and uh, Jared McKinnon as the running backs. I've already tipped my hand to this next one. I want to ask you guys this question. Does Ronald Jones survive? Does he make it? I actually put this up on the, the rundown before Derek Gore was put on IR, so I think there's a real chance he does. But what, what do you guys think? Does Ronald Jones make the cut? Does he survive and, and end up on the 53-man roster on Tuesday? Sam, we'll start with you. Even though he hasn't performed at all this off or preseason, I, I kind of thought he would regardless just because there's such a question with Clyde. I, I think that running back position, is, as you guys kind of alluded to with your worries early on, it is an area that they're just not comfortable. It's obvious. So any option they can have, I think, is a benefit. And he is a, he is a drastically different runner than anything we have that's in the lineup. So I kind of thought he would he would survive regardless, even though he hasn't done much to this point. Jacob, how do you feel? Do you think Ronald Jones makes the cut, or do you think that he's looking for a new team next Tuesday? He's got a job unless some crazy cut happens and a guy that the Chiefs love comes available after cut downs happen. I'm already tipped my hand. They're only keeping three, and I don't think Ronald Jones is one of them. So last uh, cut down check, what do you do with Shane Bichelle? 
The Chiefs have historically over the last few years since Chad Henney's been on the team have only kept two quarterbacks on the active roster. I think while it's been inconsistent, especially in the first preseason game, Shane Bouchelle has shown enough that there might be a team that if they try to sneak Bouchelle onto the practice squad, that he gets picked up and, and claimed by another team. What do you, and if he gets cut from, doesn't make the 53, I can see somebody absolutely trying to grab him as a, a developmental prospect. What do you guys think? Does Bouchelle, what do you, what do you end up doing with Shane Bouchelle? Does he make the 53? Does, do you think they're still able to sneak him onto the, the practice squad at this point? What do you do with Shane Bouchelle? Sam, we'll start with you. I don't really care. I, honestly, I mean, I'd sneak him onto the, I'd try to sneak him onto the practice squad. It's great having a talented quarterback or, or a young quarterback like that on your roster, but we have number 15. I, it's not the years of, oh, Casey Printers is the next up-and-coming quarterback. We've got to keep him on the roster. Like, it, it's not the years of, of Damon Heward being our savior. Like, we don't have to necessarily worry about having a developmental quarterback at this point. Um, if, again, if Chad Henney has to start, there's problems anyway. So Shane Burchell's not not helping in that in that point. So I, I guess try to sneak him on if someone gets him. Someone gets him. If he was that big of a player, he looks he looks good. I'm not saying he doesn't, but if he was that impressive of a player, we would have traded him by now. Some quarterback thirsty team, we would have been like, hey, you want this guy? And we would have gotten picks for him. Jacob, what about you? You with Sam, where it's like, you know what? Get him on the practice squad if you can, but if not, it's not a big deal, or do you want to see the Chiefs try to keep him on the roster? It's only been – it's only taken about an hour, but I have to disagree with Sam here. I care a lot. I was I was pushing for drafting Skylar Thompson uh, in the seventh round this year. and much Who's like, looked terrific, by the way. Much like Sean has been Boye Mafe stalking, I've been Skylar Thompson stalking on his preseason highlights. But listen, Chad, I love Chad Henney, the dad. Chad Henney, the football player, you gave us a great highlight when you ran the ball, but that was also because I think you were too afraid to throw it at this point. I wanted somebody different than Chad Henney for a while. Like I said, I think it's good that he's a veteran presence in the room, but you also have Patrick Mahomes for that now. And I'm with you. I think Shane Duchelle brings a little more just because he does have better athleticism and I think you could game plan a game or two around him where you could win quite easily, maybe even multiple games. With Chad Henney, I, it's like you're playing not to lose from time to time. But I will go back and agree with Sam that if you are playing with the backup quarterback for more than one or two games, there is something very wrong anyway. So is it that big of a topic? No, but at this point in our Chiefs fandom – it is very important because we have to nitpick at this point. Here's why I would hope, why I hope Shane Bouchelle shows enough because he's going to get a ton of time in this third preseason game. Here's why I hope he shows enough that they would want to keep him on the roster because Andy Reid has been the master of flipping a backup quarterback for a second round pick. Did it with Kevin Cobb did it with Nick Foles. Like they, they find a way to get the backup quarterback enough time and then they move on from him. Shane Bouchelle just reminds me a little bit of, he's got some Tyler Thigpen to him where he, he's got good athleticism. He's, he's, an athlete, he's able to run the ball. Not somebody you want to hold down the fort for several games, but someone you could probably live with for one to two games. And I think that was when Thigpen played in you know just a couple of games here and there. It was fine. It was when they were like, okay, he's the starter. And you're like, well, hold on. So I really like Shane Bichelle. I, I thought the throw he made to Watson in the back in the back of the end zone was a really great throw that Watson actually said, like, credit to Shane Bichelle. He audibled to that play after reading the, the – the defense and how they were set before the snap. So I am hopeful that Bichelle shows enough in this third preseason game that they feel like, all right, Chad, if you're ready to retire, we're ready to bring this kid on. And then if he, 
you know, performs well enough in the irrelevant game 17 that you can flip him for a second round pick for a quarterback needy team or a third round pick for a quarterback needy team that you're able to do that. I think that's why I'm like high on the hopes of what Shane Michelle can be. So you want to know why the only reason I don't agree with your logic there, Sean? Fair. Fire away. What did Baker Mayfield get traded for? Yeah, it's not great. That's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, everyone hates Baker. Everyone Which hates him, but still, like my they my sh- the reason I don't care about Shane Bouchelle and and not again, he's a player in the NFL. He's done something very few people can say they've done. Look at how many quarterbacks get drafted in the first two rounds every single year and never see the field. We can go out and get a quarterback to fill that spot. And that's the only reason why I look at him. I'm like, yeah, if, he, if we can keep him on, cool. If not, it's not the end of the world. It's it. Like, right. right. He's, he's like, a, and maybe that's my elite, the Patrick Mahomes elite is coming out where I just, I've got a quarterback and I don't care about anybody else now. <laughs> but that's how it is anymore. It's a good place to be. Can't <laughs> argue too much with that. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us tonight. We appreciate you joining us each and every week. You guys are the best. We are inching ever closer to the regular season. Uh, But when we come back to you next time, we'll be prepping for regular season football. So stay tuned. And until then, you all stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next week.